Welcome, Jonathan Lewis, to the table. What's going on? What's going on? We seem to be sitting in what looks like some sort of boardroom overlooking, I don't know if that's some sort of alpine, where it's just, a, I don't know if, it looks like an office or some sort of office environment in the background, or there's certainly an office block in the window, and then some sort of field, white field, like snow all over it, or is it just the hue they've given it? There's a mountain in the background. Is that a mountain they... or, they look like trees, I don't know if it's a mountain or trees. Big hill. Oh, right in the background now. Hmm. With but a tree look, and then beyond that. Yeah. But it's definitely snow. Or it's white, it's the, unless it's just the hue they've given it. But, like, as in the windows cast sort of a, a colour tone over it and it's not actually snow outside. But Johnny's now changed it to an aeroplane. Brilliant. <laughs> For those that um, obviously can't see what we're seeing, because you won't be, won't be able to, because this is an audio-based podcast, uh, this is the backgrounds on our... Um, communication system that we're using and we're now sitting on what looks like a um, plush aeroplane I don't even know what this is, what's this some sort of theme park ride? It says Halo, Halo. oh it's like a space inside a spaceship, yeah I say it looks a bit like the sort of simulator ride you get like if you've ever been to America and been on like the Simpsons or what used to be the Back to the Future ride or any of those types of, like the Star Wars ride at Walt Disney World Well, never been there No can afford it oh poor poor welshman um now we're in a big ball pit full of balloons lovely um anyway johnny how are you my friend pretty good actually just um come from a workout in the garage in the garage oh i see what type of workout was this actually before you tell me i'm quite pleased that we don't have amy today because that means we get to speak about the well, beloved no. brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah that's right i have got an app from Juggernaut, Juggernaut Training Systems. They do a specific Juggernaut BJJ app. BJJ app. Is this weight training to accommodate BJJ, or is this a? Yeah, it is yeah. exactly that. So you can you can tell it. Oh, just, it's just for lifestyle. So you're not you know you're not competing anytime soon. So it takes into account increasing speed, endurance, strength. Um, you check in how many how many rounds of jiu-jitsu did that day, how long you trained for, you know, how good your sleep was, how good your diet's been, and obviously adjust things from from there. So today, I did um, a warm-up of adductor rock back, push up the downward dog, side plank with knee lift, three sets of ten, warm-up, mobility, whatever you want to call it. Then I did four sets of bench press and RP because it just is the first um, it's the first round that I first session I've done of this particular one and I haven't benched for a long time so the RPs were low right now that's that's there. rate of perceived exertion for anyone that isn't aware of the uh, the lingo the jingo lingo that young Jonathan is spouting out there but it did give me an arm wrap set at the end, so I imagine that's look and see what actually. Let's have a look what the arm wrap is, and then adjust it for mm-hmm. next time. I am um, interesting. I do a lot of my programming for myself, especially not always for clients, but for myself using arm wraps. 
so I might do it on some clients to depend upon kind of their status, how long they've trained for and stuff. I do find AMRAPs are a good way of almost checking people's progression and seeing how far they've come to be able to then kind of use that program for subsequent blocks or even if you're doing weekly training or weekly blocks so that you kind of just, I guess, planning week by week. That can be quite good because you can set like some general you know, rep ranges, what you want to hit with, with certain weights and then kind of do an AMRAP and then be able to suggest that actually if they outperform the AMRAP more than you would have expected someone kind of going to failure. So like you might set a, what you think someone's going to get on a rough like two R, two R and R, two R, so reps in reserve or RP of eight type thing for a couple of sets and your third set, you go, right, go all out and just, just get hit failure for that one set. Um, and obviously if they then get like another five or six, you're like, huh, something's wrong here. Obviously either they've, well, something in that moment has obviously made them outperform and obviously if it's consistent you could say well actually you obviously you've been setting the other um parameters in terms of their their rep ranges or their their set uh, their set weights and their their uh, volume of the other sessions yeah. incorrectly because exactly. yeah. i because i am bench for ages and my shoulders are always wrecked i whatever i put in clearly not it's clearly not high enough because it's only given me like my RPs of five, just like the warm up basically. But I think I'll, I'll go with it anyway. Then just add like show the arm wrap, see where I can get with the arm wrap and more weight, and then adjust it from there later on. So obviously that's I'm guessing that's what the app's doing it. Then a safety bar squat because that's what I've got done the a garage. Ten sets of two. Ten sets of two. Two runs out. Um, one two runs, but again, again because I have to squat because my shoulder has been ruined. That much, also, I've used a safety bar. I was about to say, a safety bar certainly makes it a lot easier. You should have to yeah. quite the same mobility in terms of holding onto the bar. Well, you should, I guess you just hold the little paddles that hang down in front of you. But now, funny enough, I had a week, I think I had a week, two weeks off over Christmas. As I've got back into it, I've done a bit of mobility in my shoulders, and I can train underside better on my shoulders, so that's not too bad anymore. So it's 10 sets of two of that, and that's for endurance. Then at the end of that, you do a combo set. So it's like a tricep, basically. It's all that. Plate twists, plate front raises, and a close grip push-up. You can adjust certain exercises. You can have close grip pull down, pull down machine, blah, blah, blah. Three sets of ten. Um, and then just note down your uh, reps in reserve. And then at the end, alternating V-up. Three sets of ten. What was, so that? That, what was that last one? Alternating V-up. Okay, yeah. That is new. Yeah, that is in like abs and... Yeah, yeah. So, because I guess a V up, sorry, is V up like a like a what do you what would you call it? A V up is that like a dragonfly? Type, or your just legs and and your torso crunching? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because bodybuilding training doesn't really suit jujitsu as if. No, I've suffered from. We've had this conversation before. I've suffered quite a lot from, um, I guess, muscular damage and just general fatigue or perhaps even like low, lower glycogen storage in certain muscles when I've training and suffered from cramps and stuff quite a lot, depending upon like parts or what period I am in kind of a mesocycle and stuff. So it can be quite a fucker trying to, I guess, almost blend the addition of a, a sport like BJJ into what is bodybuilding training. Yeah. So I just thought I'll have a look at this app because a guy who makes the app, Chad Wesley, I think he's a black belt. So obviously he's, he's, a, he's an ex-power lifter. So he, he's, 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 he goes through the app and he, he squats and it's just unbelievable weight. But anyway, so he's done the both of me. 
Oh, no, let's give it a look. And it's, um, it's different. I've never trained again before, but I'd rather support my jiu-jitsu because, you know. Mm. Well, I, I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious. I would say so. L- like the Napoleon Dynamite meme. Was he? Oh, my God, Jonathan. Are you telling me you've not seen Napoleon Dynamite? No. Right, after this call, go rent it out or go find it somewhere and watch rent it. Rent it out? Well, as in, like, stream it, pay for it. I don't think, I'd be honest, I, don't, I imagine, I don't know why, maybe it is. No, I, I'm going to guess Napoleon Dynamite is probably not the film you're going to find on a streaming platform already, so you're going to have to pay for it somewhere or find it um, <coughs> legally. <clears throat> um, yeah. I will have a look. It's, um, oh, what's the dude's name? He was in the skating film with, um, the comedy skating one with Will Ferrell. He was the other dude. Bill, is it Bill someone? Oh, do you know? Do you know the skating film I'm talking about? A decade or so ago, there was a Will Ferrell was in a film. It's a skating film, something like Blades of Glory or something. It's called. I can't remember. I might have made that up. I was no either. No, okay. But basically, the guy who plays Napoleon Dynamite is like a really awkward kid at school. But it's just such a really shit old. Like it's almost like a um, uh, I don't describe it. It's, it's a cult classic type film. Basically, really, really funny. One worth going, but you'll see the meme definitely. The meme is that there's there's a bit where he's got. I think he's got an older brother or a cousin. I can't remember. Maybe it's a cousin who uh, who he goes and stays with. And there's he starts in the film. He's talking about he like meeting some girl or something. And he's I can't remember the exact premise of this bit, but he basically comes up with this saying where he says, "So I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious." Like as in hit between him and his woman. And obviously that is just now an internet meme everywhere. Hence my now things getting a bit serious. Look at that. Yes. Um. So yeah, uh, I guess like it is getting very serious. Hence, you bought an app. So, yeah. and I, I, what you said at the end there is, I guess we've both said something similar, haven't we? Quite recently, in terms of how almost like religious bodybuilding training or resistance training, just generally, or even just training any type of training generally, has taken a bit of a step back the last year or so, hasn't it? Because you just thought I've actually fell in love with something so much that 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 becomes priority, and actually I don't want to sacrifice the kind of your performance or your enjoyment and that type of stuff for things that used to matter. But clearly, don't quite matter as much. No, no. and when you're in, and you're in, and when you're rolling, you couldn't. You wish you you could see where you could you could improve. When when I'm in this position now, explosive power is what I need. When someone who's heavier is in full mount, and you're trying to get him off, if you're trying to sweep him, then you know certain movements at certain rep ranges would ben, would benefit you getting out of that situation yeah yeah oh definitely because i guess there's an element of not only do you, but being fatigued obviously detriments certain things like i said i said about my hamstrings the amount of times that i was rolling and i'd kind of get into closed guard or something i'd get i'd get like cramping a hamstring in guard thinking fuck and obviously i've had to, you've got to suffer through or you know the embarrassing you have to say oh can you just stop a minute while i sort out my hamstring cramp which obviously is just pretty embarrassing or the alternative as i said not only the negative side you've got the fact that you could actually stuff you can do to improve certain um, performance in areas where you are more explosive and stuff like you know strengthening your glutes being able to kind of hip thrust out of things a bit better because um, so I guess hip thrusting is a massive part of jiu-jitsu isn't it like if you get like you said full mount or some massive dude on top of you one of the ways you could be able to get out of them is by controlling part of their bodies and then basically hip thrusting the fuck off, <laughs> off you <laughs> so being kind of better at doing that type of thing is obviously going to be a benefit 100% this jiu-jitsu is the fucking best it's a horrendous sport at the same time. 
It's best you <laughs> You're selling it, mate. And the people around you are all better or higher belts. Sometimes it's a crowd to go, am I getting better by you? Or because mm. you just get nailed by purples, browns, blues. You think, am I getting better by you? I'm talking about no gi now. If I just know what they are in gi. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, but you do because you get submitted less than you. And you can get out to certain situations. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Do you want to improve? Maybe you can't attack them as well. But at least something's improving. Yeah. Defense improves quite a lot against a quite. Depends on the level they are, doesn't it? But they're quite difficult to choke. Yeah. I do you know. I think a difference between gi and no gi in that gi, I think it's a lot easier to defend, as in the gap, the, de- the defensive gap closes up a bit. In terms of obviously, when someone's so much better than you, then there isn't you know the gap's still so wide. But I think, like in terms of my experience of obviously gi, I wouldn't say I've been submitted that much throughout my so far learning of jiu-jitsu. Um Way less than I probably thought I would. Like most weeks, I don't even get submitted by better belts than me, um, because I think actually it's a bit easier to defend almost with a gi on because of the fact you can grip and you can kind of control people a bit easier. And obviously, I can't progress anything because obviously they're so much better than me. Like it's not like I can turn it into sort of attacking movements, but I do find that like, I can survive a bit easier because obviously I can rely on extra grip stuff. I think on no gi, I can imagine taking away that grip element. It's a lot harder to then defend certain like progressions they're making yeah especially they could because you do find i've had in any key at all mine so just my perspective they it is hard to go see if you can like the hitchhike out of a out of an arm bar which is possible or you do some other escape you do find it's quite easy to get back into a triangle Mm. well yeah you you couldn't like like you, you you couldn't grip like the lapel, or you couldn't grip their, you know, trousers and things like that. Yeah, well, that's that's all I was going to say. Even like, you know, you get someone in. So if you get someone in where they're in your closed guard, right? So basically, for anyone listening, you're basically laying on your ass or laying on your back, and they're in kind of missionary, but sit, or kind of seated missionary, where they're on their knees, sort of upright, and basically they could be laying one into you. Anyway, bit graphic. Sounds wrong. <laughs> um, but um, obviously, I would imagine in nogi, like it's a lot easier to then kind of get out of that guard and kind of progress movements into obviously stronger positions whereas in gi it's a lot easier to control as the person on the bottom to control their posture because obviously you can grip a lapel you can grip sleeves you can kind of grip so much more stuff which stops which i think just adds another element of not being able to move that progressive all that movement forward to a kind of stronger position so i don't know in no gi it's not you people tend to climb so you're in closed guard, and they try and attack. You climb, you you climb your legs up them. Mm. Obviously, they're not aware. She so should be depending on the level of that. Then you just bang them in a triangle, and that's the end of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. When a triangle's on properly, you ain't getting out of it. Yeah, I mean that's not too dissimilar in gi, but yeah. Anyway, I think we we have talked a lot about jiu-jitsu. And much I know, I love to talk about it. And the fact that Amy's not here it means we can, but still. We should uh, make a fight, Brett. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 hundred percent gi. No gi's allowed. No gi's allowed. Definitely gi. Right, gi. One in a gi, one in a no gi. I wouldn't even know where to start with gi. That's the funny thing. It's like, oh, sorry, with no gi, it's like I don't even know where to start from here. <laughs> in fact, the only thing I could probably do is get you in some sort of heel hook. That's about it. <laughs> That's the only place oh. I know where to start from. Not heel hook me. <sighs> um, no, I'll try not to, because obviously it can be pretty vicious, can't it? Um, what was I saying? Um, anything else going on? 
Any other update? Um, Anything interesting? No. No. So anyway. No. Um, I seem to have recovered from COVID, which is nice. So that's good. Um, you, you are. Was you even ill? No, not in the slightest. Not me. I, I had this conversation with um, with Amy last week. Well, obviously when you were in here, but just, and I actually mentioned you, you said the same as me that ironically just didn't even wouldn't even know I was positive wouldn't even know I actually felt any sickness which I won't say the same for my wife she was a bit ill so um but the kids were the same as me kids wouldn't even know they were ill so which it might just be that that might be partly to the fact that obviously kids obviously have to have or, or seem to have less symptoms don't they anyway but yeah so that was all done I think for me other than that no not probably not much of an update myself either um quite boring though very boring very boring yes um I did manage to lose my car keys today, which was great. Although I did manage to find them again, which is um, quite funny. Uh, we, I went to my sister's house and then we walked to um, a garden centre. Well, it's not really, I suppose it's a garden, it's a nursery, like a garden nursery thing. But they've got quite a nice, quite funky cafe built in like some sort of, like a big greenhouse, but they've made it into like a big jungle. So you kind of sit in, almost in a jungle, which is quite cool. It's actually called Urban Jungle, funny enough. And uh, we walked there, it's about 10, 15 minute walk. And I got back, to, when we went back again, I got back to my car and Jenna said, can you just open the car? I was like... Where are my keys? Um, hmm. Phone. So, you are? Where's my keys? Where's my phone? Oh, right. Yeah, 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 you missed that one. Um, no, I had my phone, mate. Fair enough. Um, I could open my car with my phone because my, my car's that fancy. So, there's a little app I can open it. Problem is, can't drive the fucking thing. So, that's no good. So, and uh, the only house, well, say so the only house key outside of the house was on my car, my keys. So I was thinking, brilliant. If I can't find that, I can't even get into my house to get a spare key. So I can't even get someone to give me a lift home, get my key and come back. Because I can't get into my house. I have to get a locksmith out. So I thought this could be a right pain. Um, so I then basically took, you know, half an hour there and back to walk back to the cafe. All the time, obviously trying to spy out if they fell out of my pocket. Got to the cafe, asked in there. No, sorry, no keys. Went and asked in the actual nursery bit of the garden centre and said, is anyone hand it in there in case it fell out of my pocket in like the walking around anywhere? Still no walked all the way back again retracing all my steps looking around still couldn't find anything and then i suddenly thought hmm i did lean over a fence just outside my sister's house to get a tennis ball out of someone else's garden for my nephew and there lo and behold they were almost right outside their front door in a fucking plant bedding which is wow. great that i found the fucking things clearly but so annoying that i spent the half an hour walking all the way back to this garden center and back uh, when i didn't have to because they were literally by my feet almost so Sister, I should have remembered it first time thinking, hmm, like where would I pass them? I actually thought perhaps they fell out of my pocket when I took some gloves out of my pocket. but And that was um, when I was at the garden centre. So I thought, oh, maybe they fell out of my pocket when I pulled the gloves out. Hence, that was the kind of first thing I went towards. But there we go. That was the most interesting part of my life this week. Interesting, but yet boring at the same time. Yeah, interesting, yet boring at the same time. Frightening for me, actually, Jonathan. Frightening, because I was thinking this could be a real ball ache. Um back in the plane um so yeah uh, i thought this week we could talk about this fancy new medical intervention that has been in the papers this week or in the in the online media tabloids that seem to have the fitness industry in outrage it doesn't take a lot to outrage the fitness industry does it no that's very true that's very true um i suppose for, for the premise of for people that haven't or isn't aware because you know I do realise that fitness industry, that all the parts of the fitness industry also can be quite a small little bubble, so not everyone might have seen it. But there is a um, a new drug called semaglutide, semaglutide, lutide, something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. That could be close. It could be fucking well off. I don't know. 
Um, but essentially, I think the Guardian and the Mail and a few of the bigger papers said, "Oh, wonder weight loss drug out, going to be rolled out to more people." And as I, as I said earlier, fitness industry up in outrage, saying, "What? You can't treat people with drugs for obesity? That's ridiculous." What were your thoughts, Johnny? Well, considering a lot of a, a substantial amount of the fitness industry is treating themselves with drugs, just not fat loss drugs. Well, DMP maybe. Actually, I don't really know how often people really use DMP. You've got to be quite hardcore to be using that shit. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a bit. Well, certainly we've talked about the risk before being pretty dramatic. So, but I say I don't know how 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 often there must be other stuff people would use instead of DMP beforehand. You would think so. Yeah. But anyway, it's. I don't know. It's almost like it's accepted that like people use steroids and. Other certain fat loss drugs like clenbuterol and ephedrine, and but then when it comes to like the NHS and the medical community developing something to help people with obesity, it seems like uh, the fitness automatically goes not crap. It's like, well, as you should, as you should well know, everyone is different. Not everyone who is obese just sits. Sit still on their ass all day and eat chocolate cake. Some mm-hmm. do, obviously, and they shouldn't get it, I don't think. But there are people who are probably <clears throat> medically that way, because there is a there is a there is a small amount of people who are medically that way. I don't know what causes it, but I remember Lionel McDonald mentioned before there is a certain gene that some people have got. It's very, it's very rare but it makes people like super obese. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the FTO gene that we've referenced before, which I think has some effects on people's appetite regulation, which generally means they end up overeating. They don't feel as full from eating yeah. kind of, well, they don't have the same satiety markers or satiety control as other people. Um, and I think obviously the premise is often said, well, you know, obviously the, the kind of, um, your gun's loaded by your genes, but obviously your that kind of um, analogy people use, but obviously it's up to you whether you trigger them or not, depending upon your actions and behaviours. So even that doesn't mean just because you've got this gene that you're kind of destined to be overweight, say. But, I mean, obesity in general is going to cost the NHS a substantial amount of money. Obviously, increased risk of a lot of diseases, cancer, heart attacks, strokes. The fact that obviously your joints are going to be more at risk longer term. So if they can develop a drug like this, which... Things that they lose up to twelve. Oh, uh, spoiler alert! No, but anyway, they lose substantial amount of weight down across a year. It's not across a week or two, as it is. It's still across a year, still a decent amount of time. Then it could give that person actually the motivation to carry on because actually they have lost a substantial amount of weight. They're a bit mm. more confident. Maybe they start going in the gym now, which then helps them keep it off potentially. So there's. There's definitely pros, and I think longer term it reduces the burden on the NHS, which then reduces the money it's going to cost to treat people long term for, you know, more serious things. Right? If this drug costs whatever, whatever I don't know what much it costs, but long term that would potentially save that person from needing NHS treatments for diabetes, heart failure. All that sort of stuff that costs a lot of money to treat long term. So I think 
Mm. It's like anything. There's pros and cons to it, and like 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 the NHS don't just they're not going to jab you for that and leave you to where they. No, there's going to be some support. I think um, what is interesting is the initial view from kind of the people in the fitness industry and people that are supposed to be supporting people in their health endeavours, whether that is weight loss or whatever that is. And the kind of the jumps to things like, and obviously we've seen them in certain groups that we're part in or people's Facebook statuses that I'm, people are friends with and stuff. have said things like, oh, I thought GPs were supposed to be educated in nutrition and then like, you know, insert face palm emoji or... Um, oh, another one for the lazy people, all that type of comments. And there's lots of that going around where people just don't seem to understand, I guess, some of the general premise of what causes obesity. I know we don't, we all, we don't know, you know specifically what causes obesity. And I think most evidence-based people will accept that it's most likely a massive multi, multi-factorial um, cause, like a multitude of things that all add together as to kind of what causes people to overweight, whether it is genetics, whether it is society, um, society whether it's um social upbringing whether it's food environment whether it's kind of like cultural things you know all of this different stuff that all adds together that will cause people to eat more than they should and and kind of lose track of their internal hunger cues um so yeah it's obviously uh like a a tough one and i guess when people start saying oh you know the reaction i guess all the negative reaction seems to be from the fact that people just see it as a lazy solution you know, and me and Amy had a strong conversation the same with bariatric surgery it's just a similar thing to say like oh there's just this this kind of stigma or this initial kind of almost knee-jerk reaction that people tend to have for some reason about these types of things being seen as like I say lazy or like a solution that shouldn't be even if they work it shouldn't be one people should take because it's kind of like well people should try to eat properly and exercise first so well let's be honest if it was that simple we wouldn't be obese we wouldn't have an obese nation because let's be honest again most people tend to know that they should probably eat better than they do and they know what better is as well it's not a case if they don't know like they may not have a like a fucking nutrition degree or a nutrition certification or you know they may not even be pt like qualified like pts but most people have a really good rough idea of the types of foods they should be eating more of and the types of foods they should be eating less of you know and most people know that they should be doing a bit more exercise perhaps than they do it's not that complicated is it really so if it was that easy then or, or, or say, sorry when i say if it, it is it's not that complicated so therefore it's simple but if it was that easy so big simple being easy different things um why why do we have such a problem with obesity it's getting worse as well and it's getting worse it's getting absolutely worse but why should it be a you can't just load it onto a gp again can you i know over the last year or two they probably haven't done a lot but you can't just load that onto a gp again and it was a gp a general practitioners and they're generalists mm. right that's this, there's a specialist, there's this, there's a dietitian. What dietitians do, if you've got issues with your weight, then maybe, or a doctor maybe could give you something like a leaflet or whatever to go like read this, but people are lazy in general, so they won't read it anyway. Mm. So it doesn't work. So, but, it's, I th- it's I th- lazy, we are, pretend, or for some people it is, some people just, some people just, just are born idle, they don't want to do anything, they're entitled, they think they deserve everything and they don't want to play it. But the the, the, the the irony is these things aren't going to be fix, fix those individuals either, so it doesn't really matter. No. It's not it's not like, oh, well, okay, the, this thing's aimed at those sorts of people or, or you know, it, it won't fix those individuals because obviously, no. you know, they, as we'll perhaps when we talk through a study in a bit more detail, 
they'll realize that there's reasons why or there's other things that have to accompany this jab not just you know the jab doesn't isn't just some sort of miracle panacea that's going to see oh it's going to fix everything well everything everything that has been done to tackle obesity up until now hasn't worked no no not really getting fatter still Hmm. it's all these years yeah Uh, so i guess the first thing that came to my mind when i saw it and unfortunately i saw it and i saw the accompanying outrage by the fitness professionals at the same time so i didn't get to kind of almost like almost didn't get to form my own initial view because i didn't find out about it because the reason how i found out about it was through the outrage um but it immediately kind of reminded me about the outrage a couple of years ago or a few years ago when the um the study from newcastle um university came out from graham oh what's his name i can't remember his name now but basically the um the like the direct study which which had was obviously a, a study looking at treatment for type 2 diabetics where they stuck them on an 800 calorie diet and um a very low calorie diet for eight weeks and they obviously uh did i think they did a bbc documentary or, or channel 4 some documentary on t- television as well where they kind of showed through that people were supported in a clinic in like um a, a pride or like a posh fucking manor house somewhere where they were then kind of you know supported both obviously physically through obviously the provision of food and kind of support for exercise and stuff but also like emotionally and psychologically because they were given almost like counseling and um it had a phenomenal like a phenomenal outcome in that like i can't remember again the results because i'd have to get the study up but uh, you know something like half of them like come out of remission or went into remission came out of type 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 2 diabetics they were no longer diabetic patients in that eight-week period like that is phenomenal and like far more successful than any other intervention kind of almost in that realms and obviously at that point fit pros went mad because they looked at this thing headline that said overweight people given 800 calorie diets and went what that can't work and obviously because they just immediately assume it's another shake diet or like you know it's another herbalife or it's another skinny jab or it's another you know insert multi-level marketing type scheme um fad diet type thing here which we know then doesn't have the sustainability but obviously they missed the details about the fact that no this is a clinical supportive study which has like not only support during but like an education program and a counseling ongoing or long-term counseling support which is obviously kind of why it's so successful it's not just a case of here's your your you know your soup two soup meals a day your snack bars and whatever else and off you go and just stick to 800 calories please it's a case of there's a lot more support involved and i think like that this is what it immediately reminded me of but i think when you dig under the bonnet which perhaps we'll do in a moment you realize that there's a bit more to this thing than just a here's your, here's a you know a fucking EpiPen type thing shove it in your leg once a day and you won't eat as much yeah that's that's the thing that people forget about and it's not just like you say just stick it on your leg and i said there is support that goes with it to help them with that weight loss because it's not just stick a jab when it all works again, is it? I mean, if they potentially all they could still potentially overeat, maybe, as in low volume foods but high calorie, and if they're in a surplus, then they probably not lose weight anyway. They hmm. no, well no, and I and I guess like this is the point of being evidence based. So what you obviously rather than saying obviously oh this could happen because we know theoretically like you said that could happen and that probably will happen to some individuals, but. If you look at the actual evidence and what happened in the study, and bear in mind this wasn't necessarily like it was a good study in terms of it was a I think it was a level three randomized control like randomized control trial like placebo controlled, and it was like close to what how many people I say sixteen 
hundred, nineteen hundred, something like that, like close to a couple thousand um participants. So, you know, again, it's not like there's you know, it's a decent statistical power there. God, I can't get my words out tonight. Um in that, you know, big enough groups. It's not like a case of you know, you had twenty people here. Like I said, you know, it's what we would say is quite a robust study. Um I'm just trying to find it now. Yeah, so there were so it's a sixty eight week study, uh nineteen hundred and sixty one participants and uh, I said placebo control, so one group got nothing, one group got 2.4 milligrams of the um, semaglutide. God, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it doesn't sound right, but there we go. And um, I said, oh, you said earlier, Johnny, it wasn't a short-term thing. You know, it wasn't something that, you know, given for a couple of days or, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever, like 68 weeks. So it's a, a long period of time. Um, both both groups received a counselling intervention involving diet and exercise, and the primary endpoints were the percentage change in body weight and weight reduction, so of more than five percent. So that's what they were looking for. Um, and as a result, uh, we had on average fourteen point nine percent weight loss in the in the in the um, control. No, not the control group in the in the main group, and two point four percent in the placebo group. So phenomenal difference so basically obviously at least they did still lose some weight in that group but i guess you would expect to when they still receive some counseling and some support around diet and exercise um but that difference is phenomenal between the two i mean that was an average i think the average mean weight to start with was 105 kilos and obviously they've lost like 16 point or whatever it was i can't remember now what, what uh well basically 20 kilos or something over that year and a bit which obviously compared to the, the fact the placebo group didn't do that with the same intervention other than the obviously receiving or administering the drugs. I think it's unfair to say that this is a uh, a poor intervention or something that you can't, you, you know, if you if you want to follow the evidence, you have to say this is actually an evidence-based um, process or procedure that could actually be rolled out. The, now, a caveat, I guess this was for, um, I think the study was done to obviously intervene before people that were uh, either pre-diabetic or, or might even just be actually have type 2 diabetes whereas I guess the media articles have suggested this is going to be rolled out to just obese people or I think um, from memory the Guardian it said something like anyone with a BMI over 35 and one comorbidity so one other kind of um, issue or in some rare or you know kind of un infrequent scenarios I can't remember what word they use but perhaps some people with a BMI over 30 so Again, it's not like you can just go to a doctor's and say, I'm a bit overweight, can I have this jab? Because I want to lose a bit of weight. Because I imagine it's probably, it probably costs a bit of money as well to take these jabs. So you're not just sending out willy-nilly to anyone, are they? I wouldn't imagine. No, pro probably It's going to be one of those things where, like a lot of things, that you have to go through, th through certain... Uh, criteria before you get the get to have it well like like you said you definitely at least have to say being over being by over 35 and one comorbidity which to be fair if you've got a bm over 35 there's a good chance that you probably will have another disease yeah. symptom or something anyway um but would you have had to add um counseling from a i don't know a doctor or a dietitian before and before you get it do you have to go there first to get that you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, the 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 study would I wouldn't obviously suggest that because I guess obviously this, this the actual medical intervention being uh, I guess suggested for use by or signed off by Nice by the Nice guidelines for NHS doctors. 
um, is based on the study rather than the study kind of describing or defining that stuff. So yeah. the articles that I've seen in the media haven't suggested that at all yet, but it doesn't mean that isn't that. Because, you know, bariatric surgery, example, as we went through before, obviously for, for you to qualify for bariatric surgery, you have to have had have attempted, obviously, weight loss diets before and obviously um, have other interventions before they'll even let you go for surgery because obviously they don't want someone just turning up and going, I'm a bit overweight. Yeah, I think I'll just have half my stomach lobbed off to try and help me yeah. eat a bit less. You know, kind of, and I think like the people in the study were highly motivated individuals that had tried before because I think there was a reference to that. So, but I didn't say it was like a requirement to be in the study as such. No. Um, but like I said, they did say at screening most participants had at least one coexisting condition. So again, what what it aligns, I guess, why nice guidelines or why the NHS prescription that's now going to be is going to you know mirror that almost so but yeah i think it's phenomenal like in that um you know that type of difference between the placebo and the main group and you know yes i guess for people that don't know the way this drug is supposed to work is to um mimic glp1 which is kind of like a um a hormone regulating peptide that just that just released on people you know, consume food and obviously it basically tells you oh i've i've eaten enough now i'm i'm, I'm full or i've got enough satiety so therefore just stop eating i guess this drug's supposed to help mimic that so that then in theory people should stop eating but like you said johnny i guess i mean there isn't if it I mean, it depends what it is so if if there's a lot of emotional eating you could argue that oh does that mean that this is going to work because obviously i guess a physiological um almost trigger isn't always the case or enough to stop people eating when they've kind of got eating eating for other reasons whether it's emotional or you know whatnot so for some people it might not even have quite the same effect and obviously you have to take with any study this is a generic um you know when you when you see a study result it's across the an average across a border people like a couple of thousand people it's obviously going to be into individual differences between them yes and normally yes. they give the headline figures don't they the, the max the, so that 12 was it the, was it the average was 12 kilos is it across 15.3 so you what does it say what the biggest uh i was trying to find a deviation on here actually i can't find the table i've got it i've got it in front of me so uh oh here we go um oh no it isn't that's just the difference between the two groups. No, because there is no deviation on it. It just says average is 15 point, minus 15.3, minus 2.6 in the placebo group, which obviously is a difference of 12.7. I mean, so the people in that group pool would potentially have substantially more or substantially less, but then it does go on. It'd be better to know what percentage when it, with the max percentages and not with the lowest percentages because... 20 kilos of one person is not the same as 20 kilos of another person because obviously one person could be substantially bigger. No, no. I mean, I guess that's where the, the kind of percentage stuff goes, but no, I know what point you're, you're making. What what I found interesting as well, though, is um, I think uh, even in the... Um, so some some of the kind of the limitations that were, were suggested in the study was that... Um, 43.7% of the participants had pre-diabetes and might have responded di um, differentially to the effects of it, obviously, on weight gain, which was interesting. Um, and they also said that we're looking for further studies required to understand whether results would be similar in, in person um, who differs from the study participants, because obviously the study was mostly female, white, and potentially highly motivated to lose weight, as I said earlier. So obviously, I guess if they weren't, you know, 
maybe there's a genetic difference between males and females who knows probably not but we don't we don't really know if that's the case because this study hasn't been done there might have been a racial um or, or ethnic differences i should say between um obviously different different ethnicities so that you know it, it, we know as an example covid has had a different effect on certain minority groups compared to you know other other groups now this could be something similar where it has a different effect so you don't know and again if you're highly motivated to lose weight then perhaps the drug has more an effect on someone that has a lot of the other ducks in a row like their emotional eating behaviors and all the sort of stuff routine habits they're just a general motivation that could lead to far far better outcomes perhaps than someone that isn't motivated and the drug might not have that much effect on those individuals so yeah um it's interesting isn't it it's quite interesting um because I guess they've also put in the in the kind of limitations remaining questions that the mechanism by which uh, semaglutide, semaglutide affects weight-related measures of health um, in patients without diabetes. So, as in, that's an open question because obviously it was studied on people with diabetes. So it'd be interesting to know that will it have the same effect on people that don't have diabetes or is it something to do with insulin control also that has, a, has some sort of measured effect. So... Um, I guess you could say that without knowing the like joining the dots up because obviously I don't know kind of like we only got the the study limitation questions there and then obviously what nice and then it just have decided to roll that out is there something that happened in the middle for them to say well actually we're confident that it will have an effect on people that without diabetes because obviously their criteria is not necessarily just only people with diabetes. I wonder when it actually gets rolled on the NHS how many people will actually get it. Hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting because I guess, like, and I guess we don't work with diabetic populations, so I guess why would we know? But I, I don't know many people that got obviously prescribed like the the kind of direct trial type um, protocol from from having diabetes. So as in like a very low calorie diet type thing. But then we don't work in diabetes clinics. We don't work. We're obviously not clinical dietitians, so I guess we probably wouldn't. Trying to see how much it costs. There we are. Semag semaglutide mm -hmm. is likely to be expensive. This is I'm guessing this is some uh, NY time, so I'm assuming that's New York. Mm -hmm. uh, it's likely to be says the lower dose used to treat diabetes carries an average retail price of a thousand dollars a month. I think I saw somewhere as well. It's another Pfizer. Okay. Thing. So I don't know if I've got if I've read that. If I just I missed. I don't know if I saw that all right or not, but another reason to invest in those fuckers along with the vaccines. <laughs> That's making some good money at the minute. Lost Pfizer stock prices now. God knows, but um. Oh, also, I mean, there were some interesting side effects for some people. Although dropouts, I think, were still relatively low. Let me find what that said actually, because I had that. Oh, I want to bring that up actually. So I think it was something like seven percent of people dropped out in the um. In the. Uh, I don't, why can't why can't I think of the word in the main group? I keep saying main group. Can't think of the right word, but um, yeah, there's obviously a, a chunk of those people come out, and then um, I think it was due to things like gastrointestinal problems or kind of discomfort, which I think you know most people were fine with, but there obviously were some people that dropped out. Is a drug Lisbia from uh, the study of it? Uh, cost comparison tailor for non-insulin anti-diabetic agents so this one is it's a brand name I'm guessing Ozem Ozempic yeah I think I saw that this was sold under that brand name 
one of them. Not in, not in the UK, I don't, by the looks of it, it's got a different brand name in the UK. But. Prefill pen, 1.34 milligrams per milliliter. Price $200. Recommended dose, 0.5 to 1 milligram once weekly. Hmm. So, so the, this study was 2.4 milligrams. Yeah. So the sounds, average annual dosed. cost is two and a half thousand dollars. Fucking hell, son. That's a lot, isn't it? That's um, what this is what happens when you get patented drugs. When new drugs come out and they're patented, they're so expensive because pharmaceutical companies make so much cash. Yeah. Anyway, you've got to understand that I suppose they understand that they they spend a lot of money researching it, but they do take the piss on prices. Well, it? I mean that's that's the thing, is obviously, yeah, I guess like I'm sure I I can't remember where I heard it, but someone like was talking about the the and this was to do with the vaccines rather than specific. I guess it goes to a lot of other pharmaceutical interventions or kind of new drugs that come out. But they spend like you know before anything even gets to markets, companies probably spent a billion quid on it just to even get it there because of the research and everything else that goes into it and the creation and then obviously the marketing and stuff. Um, that's why they're always expensive. And while until their patents go down where it goes cheaper, they they charge so much for them. I mean. I know no one likes to talk about ivermectin because obviously it's associated with Mr. Joe Rogan. But um, that's obviously an unpatented drug now and costs like pennies to make almost. Whereas a while ago, before it was patented, it was, you know, you'd, have to, you'd spend a fortune trying to get hold of it for whatever ailment you were looking to, to use it for. Obviously not yeah. coronavirus. Um, same with like ibuprofen. If you remember like before you could buy, it wasn't that long ago when the patent ran out on things like paracetamol over ibuprofen, was it? And you could, you know, two or three quid a box type thing. Now you can get it for like, 20p in most supermarkets yeah somebody burn it hmm. um i found the safety da- uh, data so the adverse effects which are mainly gastrointestinal uh, most often moderate to mild but led to treatment discontinuation seven percent of the uh semaglutide group and 3.1 percent of the placebo group so um yeah not horrendous i don't think i don't know what the dropout rates generally are with this sort of stuff i guess it'll differ but or what the average is but yeah, um, I don't know if we've kind of talked through it mostly. I guess like the reason I thought it was worthwhile to talk about it is because one, it's obviously popular in the media this week, but also it's just again another example of the fitness industry just kind of blowing their top without really thinking about stuff. And I think certainly that what bugs me the most is these people will call themselves fucking evidence based, but actually don't ever look at the evidence. They don't read that. You know, they just see the headlines in the media and think, oh, here we go again. Here's another sellout. That does my nothing. I wouldn't say the fitness industry is renowned for intelligence, or is it? Mm. No, I mean, I'm not intelligent by any stretch. You can tell from the way I've just spoken about this in this podcast that I don't know a lot about it. But at least I feel a little bit like I'm a bit more open-minded. You know, rather than just jumping down, oh, it's another fucking shit shake diet, or it's another fucking super drug that's apparently going to do nothing. It's like, well, actually, some really strong evidence about it. And I think it's... I think, I don't know if it's Alad or someone I, I saw comment on one of the Facebook groups where I was like, I think the word he used or the sense he used was very much a, another tool in the toolbox, perhaps. Yeah. And I kind of figure, well, yeah, it, it's, it's just another multifaceted intervention for a multifaceted problem. But if someone is on that and obviously works with um, a decent nutritionist, dietitian, I think, then we should say they can't lose... A huge amount of weight to cross our first year, and, and they motivate them to go in the gym where they may have been scared before, yeah. or be like yeah. pointed at, or you know, it's all these fucking tosses on t- TikTok. You know, if you if you film yourself in the gym, you're not fucking working very hard, do you? you know what I mean, so 
if it gives them the confidence to go into the gym then that gets them healthier again and gets them looking better gets them more confident that potentially maybe they don't need it mm. it's done its job isn't it? yeah well that's what I mean I think like I kind of see it like look if they're if they're having this drug and it helps kind of ease some of the physiological issues you get with dieting say for people that want to lose weight which is kind of like your satiety management and kind of hunger signals and that type of stuff they're also getting support and counseling from um like in a lifestyle intervention intervention approach so kind of counseling on diet and physical activity and like stuff like the study said um and you know there's some motivation there because clearly they're you know not particularly healthy or well and, and most people want to improve their health Perhaps they're, they're, suffer, they're kind of suffering a diminished quality of life because of that stuff as well, which is highly motivating to want to get out of. What I don't understand why people think they're so fucking bad. Like, actually, surely that's a good thing. You know, it's just a bit of a helping hand on the, on the way of all this extra stuff as well. I do agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole focus on, oh, we need to focus on discipline or... You know, they need to focus on their habits and all this stuff. Oh, like, what about changing their behaviours? It's kind of like, well, yeah, there is that as well, because obviously that's what the whole point of it is. You know, they, that's why they get this lifestyle intervention support and not just a case of go off and run with ejections. But anything else fun happened this week, mate? I know it's not just updates, I mean, just generally. Anything fun? Yeah. Just something a bit uh, more cheery to end the podcast on. Not particularly, no. Put you, on, really. put you on a spot a little bit there, didn't I? No, I got, I got, I got uh, mounted triangle on uh, Friday morning. Oh, back to jiu-jitsu. mounted triangle. That sounds painful. Yeah, I need an MMA fight as well, so he's quite, um, quite large, hmm. aggressive. Hmm. I mean, not unwarrantedly aggressive, but aggressive in a good way. This guy, yeah, I, I, I've seen him press like I mean, it's like I can't even stop it. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing that I guess when you're fighting people or you're sparring with people that are are closer to your ability, you can kind of start to spot little things that think, oh, actually, I think I need to watch out for that, or I might need to watch out for that. And then you get someone who's obviously a lot better than you, and you're like, oh, I can't spot that. Actually, it's just happened before I even know about it. Yeah, just don't know what's going on. What's going on? Um, Amy's going to be so disappointed in the matter. Jiu-jitsu chat in this this chat or this podcast. You should start it. Maybe she'd be good at it. Who knows? I would love to. I Damn mean, that's gonna, that's going to be my mission to get her to try. It. And and the irony is, all right, I don't. I generally don't know anyone. And again, this could be um, survivor bias, but I don't know anyone that hasn't started jiu-jitsu and absolutely love it. Like literally to the point of falling in love with it. Yeah. There's a there's a boy who, tra- who trains with me. He does. He probably does 10 sessions a week and he trains every day and he does a bit of MMA with uh, outside the gym and he runs every day. I'm like, savage. I, how, how savage. Do you do yeah, savage. Because, you know, I've trained most of my life. I say I'm fairly fit in general, but my body's in the right mess. But he, oh, he's obviously very good now. But I'm like, how he, do you do it? He probably is a walking mess, but he just he's so used to it, he just carries on. Yeah, he's in all fairness. He's he's only probably blue belt as well. Beast in all fairness to him. Only blue, only blue belt. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. You know, um, people are surprised when you say there's only five belts in jiu-jitsu. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, like, but 
13 grass again so I think it takes us still a, well I, I I think if you if, it, if it's done right it still takes a lot to get to blue belt like you've got to be pretty oh, yeah. competent to get to blue belt and I think it's the it's almost like you know the trajectory the trajectory not trajectory the trajectory of how good you get is quite like fast and quick in the first like from white three stripes to your blue belts i think once you start getting above that which is obviously this isn't from a place of authority because i know fuck all about it really at my stage but i kind of feel like the, the the when you start getting up in the higher belts your browns and your blacks and into your corals it's only the small differences that makes those belts difference as in like the small bits of skill like the difference between a blah 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 and a blah 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 belt whereas i think the, the jumps are a lot bigger between like a white and a blue I think white's like you're almost trying to survive. Blue, you can go on the you can go on the offense with a bit perfect you're trying to build a game, didn't you? Mm. And then brown, black, you just you just tweak your game, you don't get things. Because I know to try and rolling with the coach, who's now a black belt. It's just everything he does is so much tighter. It's like twice oh, as horrendous. And bear in mind, he's letting you do things as well. Yeah, yeah. I find if I roll them, obviously he lets you do things progress and see what you do then he then he gives you another problem and you do blah 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 when you get when you move when you get to in I can't remember what he had every time I was moving it got tighter like, and it seems the lower belts don't do that it's like he's letting me he's giving me enough space to hang myself <laughs> that's just ridiculous like, I think you find a lot of the higher belts are just everything just so much tighter and no matter how fast or how hard or how aggressive you are they just sit there and go, whatever. Do, whatever you do, I can stop it. Do you know what's funny, right? I was speaking to my coach about, um, like, oh, do you know, is everyone get, is everyone get, does, well, does the, like the whole average level of class as they get better, do you know, do you get better training with better people? Because, you know, everyone wants to come up and you want to help everyone support so everyone gets better together type of thing. And, like, obviously, when you spar with better people, does that make you better? And my coach laughed said, actually, it's the opposite. He said, I got better when I started caning people. <laughs> As in, like, the the worst people he was sparring with, the better he got because he could just do what he wanted with them. And, obviously, he was learning stuff far easier rather than being kind of stopped by people in the similar level or basis to him. Yeah. So he said, when I started coaching, obviously, I started coaching white belts. He said, that's when he just started to get better himself. That <laughs> just made me laugh. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, I can see the point. Because you, you do, you just think actually, you know, surely the it's like you know the bet football, the better players you play with, you must get, you know, it brings your own level up and you get better. And if that's the like the opposite in jiu-jitsu it's like you get better when you can just manhandle people and you can just start to learn the the movements of, of different kind of move um, submissions or where you know movements and well, I can't, fuck, I can't speak tonight, but obviously like progressions in in positions and stuff. Uh, it's, yeah, you do think about it and think actually, yeah. There's something to that, I think. I think it's probably true. So, and I found that, to be honest, I found that a little bit. I'm certain this week was the first week that we've had a like a beginner's course join the main class after mine. And um, so I was kind of interested to see, like, oh, I wonder how much I've progressed in since September when I started to now um, after my beginner course to see what I was. And to be fair, it was quite nice sparring against some people that some of the beginners. So I thought, yes, I can actually get some submissions tonight <laughs> rather than just surviving. I think it doesn't take it over as much as it because you're in control. Yeah. You don't no and, and to be fair i actually got some submissions which is nice because i'll be i'm quite lucky to even get a submission most fucking weeks so um it was quite nice to think that actually i felt in control and could work my way up to a decent position and kind of i think i got one americana one just like straight arm lock um i also get one arm bar i think all, all on like the same night this night which obviously never happens all because obviously i was sparring with yeah. two people that had obviously just come off the guinness course what i will say though is i do think they were better than me 
as in like when I come off the Guinness course, I think I found I think they were still better than I was. So, but I guess you know is what it is, and it? everyone's different. Scared, isn't it? I think something just I just natural. I think a natural. It. It's like as a guy in our gym was a was a blue belt, but he got he got there after like ten months, eleven months. Mm. He, he, That's quite quick. You spot him. I think this guy's unreal, unreal the way he just dives round, very flexible, quite small, maybe seventy kilos, maybe. 65, 70 kilos, he's just everywhere and he inverts and he's, everything's come from the thing. How are you, you're only doing it two years and you're just an absolute beast. Mm. Whereas, it's, it's, it's like it's like some people just understand like the mechanics of it. They just yeah. get, they just get like positions and they just get, you know, that just makes sense to them naturally where to put certain, like where to put your hands, where to put your legs, how to create leverages and stuff on certain bits. I think some people just seem to understand it whereas Sometimes I think to myself, I've really got to think about. Oh, actually, does this go here? Because this makes this happen, and this makes this happen, and do I need to apply pressure here? You just almost have to really think it through. I think some people just naturally just work it out. Yeah, I, I know I'm not one of those. No, me neither. Um, I'm going to round up now, mate. We're up to 57 minutes nearly. So great chat. Enjoyed it. Um, for listeners, uh, please go out buy a cheese. Shout out to my man Scott Thomas, actually, who seems to be. Uh, funding Eat Lean Cheese's uh, production rates just purely on his own because he's forever buying the fucking thing. So shout out to him. Um, we like to talk about Eat Lean. Both got obviously something in common there, and he's a Liverpool fan as well. So we um, please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. So please go over to your podcast provider, Spotify, iTunes, and leave us a five star. Leave us a one star if you really want, but we'd be a bit pissed off if you do. Let's be honest. Um, and if obviously anyone wants to reach out for anything at all, whether it's support, help. Um, questions for the podcast I think we'll probably do, try and do some q get some questions out of the Facebook group and get do a couple of Q&As coming up soon I think we said so get that done and um, yeah nice to chat my man and I will speak to you soon hopefully with Amy back we can bombard her with more Jiu Jitsu chat yeah right we should get to do it at least a class I said I actually said to her I'll swap I'll do I'll do a CrossFit class if she does a Jiu Jitsu class knowing for well that I'm gonna suck at CrossFit like proper bad because one, I'm re- the only attempt I've ever had at Olympic lifting has been uh, a massive failure, and also I just don't have the endurance or capacity to do stuff like CrossFit. So um, I thought that's gonna stink, but I'll do it if that means she'll try Jiu Jitsu. But she's like, I don't even do CrossFit anymore, so um, that ruined that one. I don't like CrossFit. That could be another podcast again, and we'll just slate CrossFit. Good to hear. Right. Sorry, gone. With Amy on. With Amy on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll probably slate it herself now, though. I think. No, she yeah. won't. Actually, that's a bit unfair. She won't. She won't. She still likes CrossFit. I think. I think she just doesn't really train in a CrossFit manner anymore. Yeah. Right. No night, my friend. I'm gonna ask for the week now. All right. Good. I'm gonna go eat uh, some sort of pistachio Danish thing I bought earlier. Sounds nice to me. Yes. Bonjour. Toodle. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week.